Good evening, everyone, or good morning, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to this secret, our little secret episode, episode 124 of Press Any Key. Um, yeah, everybody's off this weekend. We, you know, we had like a run of like 10 fucking movies in a row that we saw. Uh, and everybody had stuff to do this weekend, and this weekend was Liz's 30th birthday, and we were having a party here anyway, so we're like, you know what, everybody just, <laughs> everybody take Santa Claus, and we're gonna take a weekend and just everybody chill, but I wanted to get something out this week, and I wanted to, uh, talk about some stuff that we never talk about on the podcast, because I, you know, not, not everyone's into that shit, you know what I'm saying? Oh, hold on, let me, let me adjust my camera real quick. There we go. So, first thing on the I want to talk about is uh if you're from New Jersey, there is a, a rental ice cream company. You can rent the ice cream truck to come to your party. So that's what we did for uh Liz's 30th birthday. We rented an ice cream truck and it's called the Scream Truck is what it is. Now, I have gone on their website extensively. I'll actually bring it up here um and I'll show it to everyone. Um, and I want everyone at a certain point to go to this website and see if they can find where they do their pricing and how they price things. Because I actually sent an email, I think, so I'm waiting on a response, but I went through every page of this website and I build websites professionally and not just like, oh, I know, I know a little bit of HTML. No, I, I build websites on an enterprise level for multi-billion dollar companies. Like uh, this is not just something that I do in my spare time. It's my career. It's how I, you know, finance our lives. So um, the whole thing here is that I do not find their prices at all on this other than the initial booking of the event, like the booking of the truck. And that's all it seems to be at first. But so we probably had like 15, 20 people throughout the day yesterday, just our, some of our closest friends hanging out. And the ice cream truck shows up and everybody has a bunch of ice cream, you know. Uh, and I was telling people, yo, go get one and then put the other one in the freezer. So this way you got two and like it's already all paid for. So just go for it. Wrong. So after everything was served, the person in the ice cream truck says, well, how do you want to settle up the bill? And Liz was like, what? What do you mean settle up the bill? I was like, yeah, you know, pay the tab for the ice cream and everything. So we ended up paying it anyway. And it was, I I think it was around like $200 for everybody. And I mean, like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's not, but it's just like, why didn't they fucking put that on the website or explicitly state that it's not like, cause they do make it look like it's an on-demand ice cream truck. You know what I mean? Which I guess it is, but like, why would I pay you $200 to come to a location when I know a guy drives past here every day at 6 o'clock? You know what I mean? That's what I found myself questioning. And then on top of that, I, f I also found myself asking, well, if I knew it was going to cost this much, why didn't I just go and pick up a bunch of Ben and Jerry's and make a, our own ice cream station? You know what I mean? So we'll just make our own ice cream. Um, or at least make our own ice cream Sundays. Not really. You know, I'm not here trying to churn butter and fucking turn fucking milk into like sugar and shit anyway my point is just that um 
is a fucking ripoff. That's <laughs> what I'm getting to. The Scream Truck in New Jersey is a fucking ripoff. And I mean, like, I'm going to post this clip and I'm going to put it out on TikTok and they can reach out to me if they want. But I've already followed up with an email because I want to know, like, where does it say on their website that it explicitly states that it isn't just an all-inclusive thing? Like, I think they need to make that apparent. And the reason that they don't is because as soon as you would find out that you have to pay $250 to get the truck there and then you have to pay for every item that's on the truck that right there already is a ripoff because why why wouldn't I go find another ice cream guy to just drive his truck for like less money or why wouldn't I you know what I mean there's other options and I feel like the business model that they've set up falls the fuck apart when you take 20 seconds to think about it and if the scream truck doesn't like that there you go. How about that? Fuck you. Don't rip people off. All right? It's fucked up. People go to hell for that. So speaking of going to hell, um, weekend box office was um, it was pretty piss poor. I mean, like, listen, it's going to be hard to for for expectations right now at the box office because pretty much everything has flopped. Like, And I don't want to be like. I, I don't want to be like one of these people that's like, oh, well, it's fine. Hollywood's getting its reckoning. It's not. It's not that at all. Um, I think there's a couple things going on here. First of all, there's too many movies out right now. There's way too many movies out right now. And I'm normally a guy who's like, I love going to the movies. I like, but there's not enough box office dollars in in like movie going audiences to have six or seven billion dollar summer blockbusters it's just not happening and i um i mean like i've seen all of them the only thing the only things i haven't seen are the stuff that's come out on this weekend and i think they're all varying degrees in quality but even then you have a movie like mission impossible 7 that came out and that movie is fucking wonderful, and it's a continuation of a strong brand IP, but I think just where they put it, um, it was end up being their reckoning, you know what I mean? So with all that being said, um, let's take a look at the, the shithouse that was the Haunted Mansion this weekend. So the Haunted Mansion came out this weekend, and I'm not, I'm not sure, and I, listen, I know we have a lot of Disney people that listen to the show. Um, but the Haunted Mansion is a classic ride at Disney World. I was just on it within the last year, and like they've done some sprucing up to it. Um, but it's and it, but it's uh, it's still very much that classic ride, and a lot of people have a lot of fondness for it. And this is the second time they would have tried to turn this uh, Haunted Mansion into a successful summer blockbuster. Now, there's a couple things that goes in, that go into this. First of all, let's talk about the budget. Um, the budget of the Haunted Mansion was, um, kind of a mess to begin with. So, I'm going to go ahead and pull it up here. So, first of all, let's just, let's, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll zoom in, you know, in case there's no, uh, there's no, there's, so there's, there's no distractions or there's no misinterpretations here. The budget of this movie was entirely too high. The budget of this movie was 160 million dollars. And like I get it. Like I listen, I get it. I really do get it. Like I get that they want to put out these big huge like summer blockbuster blowout movies and like really wow audiences and I'm here for it. Like I'm there for it. But my whole thing with this is like 
we used to be able to do that without having to put out hundred million dollar plus movies. Now I know the price of making a movie has gotten more expensive, but I also know from people in the who work in the film industry that do use accounting tricks to either get more money out of their investors and pocket it, or get more money out of um, out of the studios and then maybe not pocket it, but spend it on like um, some. Listen, I'll tell you what. There was the, I, I had a couple friends of mine in college who were going in the film industry and they were told about a little trick called C-47s. And basically, what you do is you take a bunch of the budget and you go to the producer and you say, I gotta get a bunch of C-47s. Now the producer doesn't understand film equipment, right? So they would just order something called C-47s. And the C-47s are literally just little clothespins. And they're super cheap. So what did they do? They used the rest of the money that they didn't use on the clothespins that they called C-47s. And then they bought the re- and then they bought drugs. So, uh, it, there, so there's precedent for this. There's precedent, but um, let's talk about this specifically. The budget for this movie was $160 million. What the fuck were they thinking? Like, a Haunted Mansion movie should not cost $160 million. At most, at most, a a Haunted Mansion movie should cost, I want to say, $100 million. Maybe somewhere in between the range of 80 to 90. And not only that, it should be no longer than 90 minutes long. Now, I don't think the runtime is what fucked it up, but I see that it's two hours and two minutes here, and I can't imagine that helped it. So, the domestic box office was $24 million, which is fucking, that is jerk water for, for a movie that costs $160 million. And now this is even a this is a devastating blow because normally you can make up your domestic shortcomings in your international rollout and they got fucked super hard with nine point one million dollars altogether a hundred and sixty million dollar blockbuster from Disney with I mean these people I don't want to be like you know who are these people uh well that would be a problem I don't, you know I I don't want to be the guy who's like well who who are these actors really you know there's no stars anymore or anything like that but like. Um, you know, Justin Seaman, I, I, I don't know that name, Katie Dippold, I don't know, Jonathan, Dan Lynn, like, I know, uh, oh, these are the filmmakers, duh, uh, <laughs> I know Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, like, I, um, I know those names, but none of them are necessarily, like, powerhouse names, and so they had that going for them, too. Uh, obviously, Danny DeVito is in there um, too, but I mean, come on, he's only good for making Always Sunny better. So, let's talk about the reasons why it flopped, though, because this is this is something that I think is important for everybody to not not be like, oh, you you need to listen to this, you need to, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying it's it's important to keep some sort of um, perspective here when you're talking about movies flopping. So, number one, bad reviews. This thing was DOA. Because there was no interest in anybody wanting to see it, and not even good word of mouth could save it because it was reviewed horribly. So there's that, too. This thing was never going to have any legs, and we'll come back to it later. Horrible marketing. I have seen maybe the same trailer for this movie for the past two months. I have seen nothing else. No behind the scenes. No interviews with the cast. No... um, no featurettes, no nothing. Now, listen, I understand a lot of that has to do with the strike, and they probably couldn't get it in. I mean, for Christ's sake, they were using friggin' uh, cast members at Disneyland at the at the movie's premiere, you know, to promote the film. And, like, listen, um, obviously that's awful, 
and like they should just pay the actors and writers and they wouldn't have this issue. But even then, I don't think that would have saved this movie. Um, because ultimately it comes down to, I think the mismanagement of the IP was the biggest problem here. And specifically when I say that, I mean that why did they choose a movie ripe for October to come out in August? Or not August, July 28th, I believe I see here. Yeah, July 28th, or I guess Thursday, whatever. Um, tail end of July, especially after Barbenheimer. Like, are you serious? Like... The, the meme was so strong with that campaign, we'll say. It, it's, it wasn't anything done by the studios. So not only that, and both of those movies were good, and they had historically low um, percentage drops at the box office, second-week drops. Um, like, you, you just couldn't get around that. That was a natural phenomenon, you know what I mean? Universal and Warner Brothers really pulled one out when not a lot of people thought that they could. So... Um, but yeah, mismanagement of the IP and its release is just like, this should have been a late September, early October release geared towards family and children. That's what it should have been. should have been like, oh, there's all these spooky movies coming out. It's October and you don't want to take the kids to go see a rated R affair, do you? You know, I feel like that would have helped this movie along. I don't think it would have made it a mega hit, but it certainly would have made more than $33 million. Yeah. And the last thing I have on my list is that, most importantly, Disney absolutely knew that this was a dud. Like, an absolute misfire. I believe the film right now is sitting at 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where are you? Like, it's not even... There's a theory up here that, that movie studios pay to keep their shit out of the front page if it's bad. But, I mean, that's just a theory, right? Yeah, we're at 42% for critics and 86% for audience scores. But, you know, what do they know? Haunted Mansion's Talisman cast makes the movie a pleasant enough destination, although it's neither scary nor funny enough to wholeheartedly recommend. Yeah, which is kind of what I expected. It's kind of exactly what I expected from this. So I'm not surprised that it went this way. Um, I think overall Disney knew this was a, a, a dud, a misfire, and they're like, well, we're not putting any... Uh, we're not putting any money into this, any marketing into this. We're just going to take the fucking L on this one and keep going. I, I, I Truthfully, I feel like that's what they did. So let's talk about a movie that actually was good. Huh? I haven't seen this yet, but I'm going to try and make a point to see it this week. I just needed a week off from seeing movies. Um, <coughs> Talk to me. <coughs> Have you guys heard of Talk to Me? So Talk To Me is this little horror film that was made by two YouTubers. I don't know who they are. Um, but they have had quite an underdog success story, it would seem, this weekend with their, fil their little horror movie here. Talk To Me is a film about basically a hand that can talk uh, to the dead. And they can basically see like their family members and stuff like that or some shit like that. And it, the trailers look scary, so it says, With a gripping story and impressive practical effects, Talk To Me spins a terrifically creepy 21st century horror yarn built on classic foundations. I have heard it's very um, millennial, not millennial, Gen Z driven, like, yeah, TikTok's going to kill you or something like that. But anyway, here's why I want to talk about this and why this is so significant. So, number one, um, this movie 
was primed for success for the numbers alone. Even if thing this thing was shit, it was making it was making a killing. So talk to me cost four point five million dollars, and that is chump change for uh, for a movie these days. And the total box office, which is just domestic, they they did not have an international release. They pulled in a little bit more than ten million, and that is amazing. So a couple reasons why I think it, it took off and it flew. Number one. It's got great reviews. It really does have spectacular reviews, as you as you can see from right here. As you can see from Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 95 on critics and it's got an 82 on the audience. So that means that this might be actually a little bit more highbrow than than uh over here. You know, we we love you anyway, audience scores. So um, good trailers. It had good scary trailers, I think. You know, I'm not saying they were like they were like groundbreaking. Oh my god, just the best trailer ever. But it was they were they were good enough to sell the film. I mean, to get it over the hump. And then, honestly, it's the lack. Uh, it it helps that there has been a lack of exceptional horror films in 2023. And if I were to look, like if I were to just do Rotten Tomatoes horror um horror movies in 2023, right? Let's see. I've seen Megan. Uh, what is this? The angry black girl and her monster. I've seen. Um, Evil Dead Rise, Scream Six. God, there is so much out here that I have not seen. Maybe there is a lot of of, of exceptional horror, and I just haven't seen it. It's it's totally possible, but I mean like Knock at the Cabin, Skinamarink, like these are these are big like I don't want to say they're big studio movies, but they certainly went out for release, and it's not like people hated them, uh, but it's not like they were amazing either. Oh, that Boogeyman movie wasn't that great. Fuck. What I liked Renfield. I didn't think it was terrible. What? <laughs> what? So. Uh. Anyway, let's move on from here. But yeah. Not only that, two underdogs, the underdog story of two YouTubers that, uh, what are their names? Let's see. Uh, talk to me, creators. <laughs> hmm. Danny Philippew and Michael Philippew. I don't know what they're, let's see. Rack a rack. Oh, they did the Babadook too? Get the fuck out of here. No way. Maybe they just produced it. Maybe they acted in it. Hmm. Danny Philippew. I think that's how you say his name. Could be wrong. He's a film actor. But what's his YouTube channel? Raka Raka? Yeah, Raka Raka. Created in 2013, run by twin brothers Danny and my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Known for intense live-action horror comedy videos. Yeah. Okay, I've seen some of these before. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I had ChatGPT open, guys. I know. We don't like AI. Um, but, yeah, I think that also is why it did very well is because um, it had a lot of it had a lot riding on it. These guys were like, hey, this is going to make or break us. Are we going to continue to be YouTubers? Are we going to cross over into the, the Hollywood sphere? You know? Get a drug addiction. 
Get a drinking, get a drinking problem. You know? Get those, the, those celebrity photos of covering your face as you're walking out of a fucking nightclub. Where you just did a speedball. And now you're going to Elton John's house to have fucking uh, Hot Pockets. And play musical chairs. Stranger things have happened. All right. So, um, with that said, uh, I don't know if we have any Broadway people here, uh, or who listen to this show, rather. However, I wanted to talk about that I saw a Broadway show recently that was absolutely transcendent. And the reason that I think it's worth talking about today is that it's another one of these based on an, I- an already existing IP. Now, I've already seen a number of these shows. I've seen Aladdin, which is obviously based off an existing IP. <laughs> I have seen um, Phantom of the Opera, I guess, is the uh, existing IP. Uh, Rent isn't really, wasn't really an existing IP, but it certainly was uh, based off of uh, La, Vie, La Vie Boheme, I think, or La Boheme, or some, I don't know, I forget what it is. Um, but it was based off of something else. Um, I have seen, really, I feel like I had to have seen something, I think it might have been just Aladdin, then, I've seen Aladdin, and I have seen, um, Beetlejuice, I have seen, uh, fuck, man, it's been a while, I mean, but anyway, I've seen other stuff that's been made and from from and I know a lot of people are like I I wish they didn't do that and a part of me is even like can't they come up with something original but I mean most of these shows don't even make money until they or don't even break even until they hit the tour so you know they want to do something that has a already invested audience you know um but I saw Back to the Future the musical and I wanted to talk about it on here because I know we have a lot of people that like Back to the Future that listen to the show and I know that us Back to the Future fans are um, very adamant that we do not want a remake or a fourth movie or anything. The trilogy is perfect. We'll, we'll use that word. It's perfect as it is, and we don't want it to change. And I'm with them on that. But I do think Back to the Future is a strong enough and unique enough IP that I do want to see it leveraged in some new way to bring in a younger, maybe not a younger audience, but a new audience, you know? Um, And truthfully, uh, I think this was the way to do it. So Back to the Future the musical, I, I believe it's in previews right now, or maybe it it's opening night is coming up, or I don't know. Either way, it's not... Um, it's brand new. It only just started running in June at the Winter Garden Theater in um, New York City, and I oh you know what I saw I saw Hugh Jackman's Music Man there. I saw him play Harold Hill, so it's a nice space. We've been there before. Well, anyway, I'll just cut right to the chase. Listen, it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's magical actually. How fucking good this show was. I mean, like. Um, just to like the, the staging of everything, the effects, the, the pageantry of it all. It was absolutely wonderful. So number one, um, right off the top of my head, Roger Bart is exceptional as Doc Brown. He's, it's disgusting how good he is. He's funny. He sings really well. 
I mean, he's 60 now, so he doesn't really dance, obviously. But, I mean, like, he can still, like, move around the stage. He comes out on a hoverboard at one point. He dances. <laughs> he dances on the DeLorean, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, But Casey Likes is also incredible as Marty. He had the, oh, geez, Doc. You know, he had that type of... um. He had that voice on, you know, that that like shaggy almost from Scooby-Doo voice. Um, the one thing I learned is that the original team actually helmed this. So Robert Zemeckis, Alan Silvestri, and Bob Gale did, are, are the creative force behind this um, show. Like Alan Silvestri did all the music. Bob Gale wrote the book. And Robert Zemeckis, I believe, is the is one of the executive producers on the project. He's, or at least he shepherded it from the where it was to where it is. Um so this next thing might be a little bit controversial, but I don't really care. So um, the DeLorean is the greatest Broadway prop that I've ever seen in my life. I've been seeing Broadway shows since I probably second grade was my first Broadway show. And this was by far the greatest prop I've ever seen. So uh, number one, it acts as a set piece, a prop and a character. All three of those things. Okay, it's a triple threat as far as an inanimate object goes on stage. Number two, it drives, it flies, and it dances. It There are scenes where it drives, it flies, it time travels, and um, there are multiple dance numbers where this car is utilized and people dance on the car or dance around the car. Um. Oh, and I guess it seamlessly integrates with the story and musical numbers, which is like if they shoehorned it in, it wouldn't be great, huh? But no, it it's great. It fits right where it's supposed to. It's awesome. I love it. So then, um, yeah, so then, okay, so then here's the other thing, too. It was just cool. So, like, a lot of these contemporary musicals and, like, a lot of these newer stuff, they keep, like, smaller companies. They keep smaller casts because they want to keep costs down, obviously. But not only that... It's just less moving parts. You know what I mean? It's less you got to think about. Well, obviously, you know the story about Back to the Future. It takes place in 1985, and he goes back to 1955, right? Uh, you know, is he going to fuck his mom? You know, that whole thing. Um, so, regardless of the fact that this music, I mean, the musical is like pop, contemporary pop songs. That is like the, which is like the, the driving force of the music in the movie. Um, it is staged like a golden era, like 1950s, 1960s Broadway musical. And by that, I mean, there's just a huge cast of people like the, one of the biggest Broadway cast I think I've ever seen in my life. And it is big, vibrant, booming dance numbers. Like, I'm, I mean, like not so much that like if that it would tire out an amateur dancer, I think. Um, but it just in the sense of how many people there are and how many things are going on. Like, don't get me wrong, there's some stellar choreography, but it wasn't the hardest thing I've ever seen on Broadway. Um, but it was big and it was very loud and it was proud of who it was. And, that, and I was there for it. It was a truly a cosmic-sized production, okay? How many people are still listening after that? You know, these things happen. All right, so speaking about shit that's happened, let's talk about fucking Spider-Man. Let's talk about fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> so, um, 
Spider-Man 2. <laughs> oh, God. <coughs> Spider-Man 2 for PS5 is coming in the fall. Now, uh, let's see. Ten days ago, they released a trailer. So, two weeks ago, Insomniac put out a new trailer for this absolutely massive title that's coming. I've already pre-ordered it. I bought the controller. I tried to get the plates. I got sold out. But I want to do a, a reaction to this right now. And, um, yeah, this is the story trailer. I haven't seen this yet, so let's do it. A lot's happened in the last ten years. It's a miracle I'm even sitting here now. I got a second chance. And I'm going to take advantage of that. Is that Harry? But I need you with me, Pete. Yeah. I'm going to heal the world. Man. Sick. Guys, the good thing about the Spider-Verse movies is that it's established the precedent that more than one Spider-Man is not overkill. This is my best friend, Harry. Hey, good to meet you. Man, Harry looks rough. Good job, huh? Still gonna have time for tutoring? We'll figure it out. I didn't know there were bears in these woods. His suit looks so much better. Well, Spider-Man's suit looks a lot better. He's here on some kind of hunt. No, if you need me, I'm just a call away. Symbiote. You don't know what you took from me. All Miles talks about is how to be a better Spider-Man. How to help you. What the hell is going on with Pete? He's not himself. Go help him. This was our dream. This looks so fucking cool. I'm not going to lose him. We're going to heal the world. Oh, I do. Yeah, that is my favorite Spider-Man. Fuck yeah, that looks awesome. Oh, okay, symbiote. Fun. Be greater together. Okay, so that's... Ooh, it's a double entendre. It's UN Miles and Venom and Spider-Man. So, um, I, um, I, I noticed that they didn't show a good, uh, shot of Peter in the, um, in the suit. However, oh, perfect. However, we do have this gameplay here, and I want to go ahead and right here. You have no idea. Listen, this looks like trash. I'm sorry. I do not like the Symbiote suit. The Insomniac's version of the Symbiote suit. I did not like Insomniac's version, the original version of their Spider-Man suit either. I did not appreciate that. I thought the red was too much like an orange. I thought there was too much white on there. I thought they didn't emphasize the, a deep enough blue. And, like, it's weird that this has, like, a belt. You know what I mean? And, like, that there's different textures, like... The, as you can see, the left cheek here is a different texture than what's on his thigh. Oh, I don't know, I just, I just, I mean, like, it's a living, breathing organism. It should be one, like, solid thing. Should it not? Like, I don't understand. Um. Leave Connors alone! I mean, that being said, it does look awesome. So, it, it looks awesome to, to use in combat is really what I mean, but... Hey man, new threats? The building's swarming with. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, like, it looks organic and the light looks cool and everything, but, like, I don't know, man. I just, there's just something that just puts it off. Maybe it's, like, this weird, like, gun holster, like, shoulder straps they have going on. I don't know what it is. I'm just not, I'm just not with this. I'm just not with this design. I was not with their design for the last one either. Um, but I will say, I will look for, uh, pizza. Well, isn't there an image of them? Hold on. Uh, uh, yeah, right here, here. God damn it. No, give me, yeah, like this looks, I think the this suit looks a whole lot better than that first suit. Yeah, I like the way this is broken down better. His, the, the, the way they segment the colors is a lot better this time around. Yeah. If that's even the real one. Oh, menu concept. Man, fuck you. Why do people do that? Why do people make fake shit about shit that they don't own and put it on the internet? It's fucking weird, dude. Alright. Yeah, here we go. Oh my god, dude. Just give me a fucking high-res photo. How hard could it be? Uh. My god. I'm sorry it's so embarrassing. Well, right here, anyway, you can see it. Like, the white on the shoes and everything, and it's a, it's a much more brighter red it's not as deep and rich as the new one is i don't know i'm just not a fan of that suit i'm just a call away um but this looks good i mean i've already pre-ordered everything and it looks amazing so i can't wait for it but um thankfully uh uh it's a video game so it's copyright free right so like we won't have any fucking problems on the back end there marvel and um yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. October 20th, 2023, obviously. Um, I'm not going to stream it because I want to play it on my massive fucking 65-inch OLED LG C2. Because um, it's meant to be played. Uh, PS5 is meant to be played on that TV. And the other thing is just... Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show. They won't play it, though. No, they don't have a PS5. You know? So. All right. Well, um, we go for about 30 or so minutes here and it's just me babbling on. So that's, so whether that, so whether you think 30 minutes is a long time or not, it's going to feel like a long time. So I just want to wrap up here with, um, I, I played Ratchet and Clank for PC and I had it on PS5 and it's a great fucking game and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it runs great and it looks excellent. However, it crashed every two hours. So, um, if you're looking forward to that, maybe wait a few weeks till they roll out some patches. Story and gameplay are still great. Graphics are excellent. It's one of the most beautiful games. And I played it on the PS5 originally and it was absolutely seamless when it was jumping through different dimensions. Um, I have it. I have my games on my PC running on a Sony sony a samsung 980 evo pro two terabyte i believe and i mean like it's just like a hair slower than going into the next dimensions and sometimes there's some frame drops so they're gonna have to smooth some stuff out but overall um it's still the same great game that if you wanted to, if you don't have a ps5 and you couldn't get it there and you want to play it on pc you go right ahead and just 
jump on over to PC because it's good times. <clears throat> so, with that said, I think I'm going to get the fuck out of here because everyone's probably tired of listening to me talk. And I don't want to waste anyone's time, or at least anyone any more time than I've already wasted. So, with that said, um, thanks so much for everybody for listening to this. If you've gotten to this point, I appreciate it. I really, I really do appreciate the fact that people listen to this every single week and take the time to click on it and like interact with our stuff. I really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, we will see you all um, next week when we do our big return episode of. The best video games of 2013. So with that, I will see you. Goodbye, everyone.